Clubbers, this is your senior editor, and it's time for another edition of Mom on Pop. It's the podcast where my mom, you know her, Bonnie Tatey, weighs in on all sorts of pop culture. Here we go, Mom. Are you ready for another podcast? I really am. You've been ready for a while, aren't haven't you? I have. I have been very prepared. <laughs> You said uh, last time we were recording, you'd do it every day if if I had the time. And if I had something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about Lifetime's Unreal, and you're also going to spend a while since you reviewed a game, but we're going to talk about the Facebook game, Guess the GIF. This is how you got your podcast career started, in fact, on the old Gameological site, reviewing games. Facebook games, yep. But first, uh, I understand there's been some uh, hijinks close to home uh, with a book sale is this what we're talking about yes no, Have you, you've never been to this book sale. I've never been to this book sale tell me about it well they advertised this year that there were over 40,000 books in the gymnasium of, okay. the, of the old middle school okay is this all they right. use it for anymore you know I don't know who's in there I think the outing club uses the gym but I'm really not sure it's so dank Oh, oh, it's they could do horror movies in there. <laughs> they could. We used to uh, when I was going there, we used to call the, you know, the sort of basement area. Yeah. We used to call that the pit. You'd have classes right. in the pit, right? Everyone called it the pit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and and unfortunately there was well, I shouldn't say this, but you know, there was a teacher with a questionable uh thoughts of the girls, the eighth grade girls. Uh, I see. Wow. He shall remain nameless. He's gone now. That's good. That's good. And he taught down in the pit? He did. Oh, wow. That only made it more <laughs> creepy, didn't it? Wow. They didn't even need to film a horror movie there. It sounds like uh, they had the makings <laughs> of one already. It was its own little horror movie, yes. But there's an is this an annual book sale in the gym? It It is. The Council on Aging puts it on and... It's a it's a real study. I guess any gathering like this is a real study in human nature. Right. There's there's not anybody allowed in early, so there are a lot of booksellers. And um, Dad came up and said to me, "What are these people doing with their hookups? They have uh, electronic hookups, and they're scanning the books." And I said, "Well, they're booksellers, and they're checking to see." what the prices go for for some of these books that are you know out of print or whatnot i've heard of this i've heard of people doing this at uh, yeah at flea markets and at used bookstores and they just sort of go rapid fire through the books uh, trying to find deals right right exactly it does seem a little outside the spirit of the thing well it, but they're not allowed in early it used to be that they would cage their way in early and, and you know, get all the plum books and be on their merry way, but they're not allowed to do that anymore. Okay, so it's, but it sounds like the makings of a frenzy. Well, obviously, you know how that happens. That's just human nature. And this guy's looking over here, well, I better look over there. And that's one thing. But then you have these assholes that have piles of books that they just pile on the books that you're trying to look at. Oh, really? Yeah. While you're standing right there? Yeah. Uh, what so I, said to, this, I yeah. said to this guy, you know, are these your books? And he 
he said, oh, oh, yeah. Like he was the only one in the gym and where the hell did I come from? And, <laughs> and wanted to look at these pile of, you know, it's just, it's really, to me, the dregs of politeness and, you know, we're all there for the same thing. Well, it doesn't sound like you are. It sounds like some people are looking for reading material and some people are looking to make a buck. Well, that's true. I guess that's, I guess that is. You're there true. just looking for interesting books. Well, I'm looking for books that I can rip apart and make into notebooks. Oh, wow. Boy, the Romans have got nothing on you. You're, you're looking to sack the library and destroy the... Good Lord. I only, I only buy golden books to do that. Oh, children's books. Okay. Because children don't need to learn. Well, Johnny, these are for adults, and they still have the story in there. It's just that the covers are very charming. <laughs> okay. These are for adults. How so? Uh, well, they're notebooks. They're they're for adults. Oh, I see. So you you make them into notebooks, is what you're saying? Right. I'm turning. I'm I'm taking chapters from the Golden Book and adding blank pages throughout the. Oh wow! Throughout the book, I bet that looks pretty neat. It does look pretty neat, and I'm not the only one doing it. Yeah, and so you're you know. taking unwanted books. I mean, I'm I'm teasing, but it sounds like you're taking books that would not have a home otherwise. Well, you know, they're golden books. They're not uh, Grimm's fairy tales signed by the brothers, you know? <laughs> right. Although that would be a nice item to have. Well, that would, but you, it would be gone already from the gym. Yeah, they would have scanned that for sure, gotten it out of there. But it's, but it's interesting to me how people misbehave. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they don't think they're misbehaving, though. Well, they're, they're just in a frenzy to get what they want in the hell with you. I just find that... You know, to me, it's like, this is not somebody I want to stand next to on the Titanic. <laughs> right, right. Because I'm going to be last. But don't underestimate me. But my favorite moment, my favorite moment was at the checkout counter. And I, we didn't get this lady. But she was telling everybody that checked out with her. And obviously, this is the Council on Aging. So these are elderly people. Yeah. And she is saying, I'm not doing this again next year. Nobody oh, told really? me it was going to be like this. And she just didn't stop. It was hilarious. Everybody who came through? Everybody that came through. She didn't stop. Oh, man. She was hating every minute of it. Why do you think she needed everybody to know that? Well, I don't know. Maybe I would be that way, too. I don't know. I think it was like she was duped into it or something. I uh, I was traveling this week, and uh, I had to travel. You have my sympathies. Uh, yeah, I got uh, super delayed on my flight back. Uh, we like were we were the flight was already delayed an hour and a half, but then we started boarding, uh, and uh, we made it through three groups. I was in group five uh, because my flights have been switched around so many times. So they were just right. like, "You get on last, and maybe you'll have to hang onto the wing if you're lucky." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they do three groups and then they just stop and then we don't hear anything for 20 minutes. We're all standing there waiting to get on. Uh, and then they come on and say, uh, because of the delays, the crew has become illegal. Oh my God. They've been on duty for too long and they're not allowed to work anymore, you know. So they say, we're going to call, a call around, try to get another crew. Give me five minutes to call around. Of course, the five minutes turns into another half hour, but they do miraculously right. find another crew. 
So oh, wow. They open the door up and they're about to start boarding. And then we're standing there for another 20 minutes and nobody's getting on. And they come on the uh, PA and they say, well, now the pilots have been on duty too long. And now the pilots are illegal and we have to find new pilots. So ba- every part of this plane is being switched out. And there's I mean, I'm lucky I'm still in the terminal because there's a bunch of people who are sitting there on the plane. Right. And it was and there's I- no circulation right that's just it when i got on it was very warm in there and they'd been in there for hours by the time that i finally got on but they did find new pilots but it was a just extraordinary delay and LaGuardia is just like a third world country it's a they had hoses hanging down from the ceilings because the air conditioning was broken they had hoses all around the terminal that would just droop down from the ceilings and they were dripping into uh barrels uh that were filling with water and there were huge water stains on the carpets all over the place nobody knew where to stand or where to line up oh traveling is the pits it is (laughs) but but i have to say that is not as bad as my LaGuardia story so do you want to tell that before we move on i think i've told it before oh okay I think I told it on Game Logical. I'll tell it briefly. <laughs> okay, do it. We waited and waited and waited to get on the plane. I'm flying to New Hampshire, which is an hour <laughs> trip from LaGuardia. I know this. And we get on the plane, and <laughs> we can't even pull away from the what? Gate. The gate, because we're number 33 in line. So we're sitting there, everybody's sweating, nobody, you know, nobody can be given water or anything because we are actually in the pattern. We finally pull away. Now, this t- has taken well over an hour. We start taxiing up. We're still waiting, waiting, waiting. This, this is an hour and 20 minutes. Sure, and it's a tiny plane. The, the plane that used to go to up to New Hampshire is a tiny plane, right? With no bathroom. No bathroom. Like 20 people tops in that plane, right? Right. Yeah, okay. And the girl sitting catty corner to me gets up, looks at the back of the plane, stands there, and sits down. And I thought, okay, that's a good girl. But five minutes later, she gets up and goes and knocks on the pilot's door. Oh, my God. Because there's no stewardess on, on these planes. She comes and she sits down, and the pilot comes on and says, I'm sorry, everyone, we have to go back to the terminal. (laughs) And that's all he says. And I said to this girl, are you kidding me? And she said, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to go to the bathroom in your pants. (laughs) You're making this whole plane turn around. (laughs) Because you have to go to the bathroom. Why didn't you go when you were in the terminal? She said, oh, I didn't have to go then. So I said to her, well, how old are you? And uh, she said, you want a piece of me? And I said, I'll take a piece of you. (laughs) Yeah, she was asking the wrong person that question. (laughs) And so she, uh, you know, and now everybody on the plane starts grumbling, but nobody comes to my defense. Oh, yeah. Are people coming to her defense, or are they just mud? No, no, no. But they're certainly not coming to my defense. Well, I don't so think anybody get... wants to get in the middle of it. Why? Because <laughs> well, what are you anyway, going to do? We get back. She gets off. 
she runs in to go to the bathroom, and now they have to print the whole manifest again. Oh, God. Yeah, they always have to start over. Right, right. And it's sweltering. It is absolutely sweltering. And now everybody is coming up with their snide little comments. And, And when she gets back on the plane, because now we have to start this whole process again, and somebody says... Uh, well, tell her there's no food service on this thing. And I just thought, F you people, you know, where were you when, when it would have made a difference? <laughs> you thought if enough in- people rose up that they would not turn the plane around, that this woman would just crap her pants and move on with her life. Or tinkle, whatever. I bet it's happened. Right? Yeah. Makes her a miserable flight, though. For her, but what do I care? I don't think I would have ever gone up to and knocked on the pilot's door and said that. I just don't think I would. I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine. Yeah. I think I would let a little bit slip out before I would do that. Right. That's right. And when we got to to, um, New Hampshire, when we got off the plane, Dad said, Oh, uh, I, I heard there was weather. And I said, There was no weather. Somebody had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's the most unbe- I just can't even believe that story. Oh, yeah. Hey, you made it. You got a good story out of it. Yeah, I did. It still makes my blood pressure go every time. I, I can tell. tell. I can tell. Well, uh, I know we wanted to talk about one other thing that I hope doesn't escalate your blood pressure too much. But you said that you wanted to talk about the recent uh, Spider-Man casting. Well, I really did, because what I read in the newspaper, and now I forget who. Was it the producers or somebody? It was Stan. Yeah, so let me just give the folks oh, a little background. Oh, that's great. Go ahead. Um, so uh, Tom Holland, uh, 19-year-old English actor, uh, has been cast as the uh, newest Spider-Man for the film franchises. And he is the third uh, young white dude to be cast uh, as Spider-Man. In as many years, it feels like, but it's it's been about, I don't know, it's been a, a little more than a decade, but we do go through Spider-Mans very quickly, Spider-Man, I guess I should say. And uh, yeah, this news came out that um, Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man, had stipulated that uh, Spider-Man would be straight and white. And uh, you, what did you think of that? I'm sort of outraged at it. Yeah, yeah. Because I just think... It's, it, that's a very archaic way of thinking. We just don't live like that. I mean, I know a lot of people do live that way. I'm, uh, that's the truth. But they shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it's very... It's just weird to me because I don't see why those things are an important part of Spider-Man. I think the important part of Spider-Man is that he got bit by a radioactive spider and he can zap a web out of his wrists, you know, and right. swing around on things. That's that's right. Spider-Man. I really don't care if he's black or Chinese or Mongolian or whatever he is. Right. And I can see if you don't want a big fatso, okay, Spider-Man <laughs> should be yeah. stealth. And, right? I, I can right. see. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's discrimination. I'm just saying no, that's I get it. That, you're, that you're looking for. But the color of his skin, that, that really is offending, I think. And you know what breaks my heart about it? is I just think about all the, let's say, black. I think about all the 
nerdy black kids out there reading right? these comic books and seeing these cartoons and not having so many people to, to identify with. And I just think, what's the harm in, in mixing it up? Because you just bring more people into the fold. Well, exactly. That's a very good point, I think. I'm just not sure there's um, there's just no place for that thinking. Yeah. Especially it's, uh... in Hollywood, when, when they've fed us so many uh, concepts that society has embraced and taken on. Um, you know, we're, we're embracing gay and lesbians more and more, and, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think is a good thing, and we're still talking about people's color. Oh, that, that just, that's such a sour note to me. Yeah, it is. You know, Hollywood can be progressive in some ways, but it can also be very conservative because there's so much money. And we've talked about this before. There's so much money in these projects, especially these superhero projects, that they really get uh, risk averse, you know, and they um, choose not to be bold in situations where it seems like it wouldn't hurt them at all to be bold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, Stan Lee is a very elderly man and his thinking I think is really archaic here. Yeah, it seems that way. There are a lot of fans who who fewer and fewer it seems uh or at least are willing to make the argument in public, but there's a lot of fans who say, you know, Spider-Man's white, that's part of who he is and I just don't think so. You know, I always wanted them to uh although I like Daniel Craig very much, I uh have always wanted the James Bond folks to uh be a little more adventurous in their casting as well. In this day and age, I just don't see why not. Why not? That, yeah. That's that's the real question. I mean, I find that a very confusing situation in that, why not? Yeah. You know, there was another uh, controversy, too, because they cast uh, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May in Spider-Man, and uh, she's supposed to be a more elderly character, and uh, Marissa Tomei is 50 years old, and uh, so there was some backlash against that, too, saying that yeah. Hollywood was being ageist and... See, I didn't, I didn't read that. But yeah, that's that very, that thing. is, this, this point is really so interesting because it comes up in what we're going to talk about in Unreal. Well, that's a great segue. Let's move into uh, Unreal. It's our first review of the day. Unreal is Lifetime's drama series that takes us inside the creative process of a Bachelor-esque reality show called Everlasting. Sherry Appleby plays Rachel Goldberg, a producer on Everlasting, who would like to hate reality TV if only she weren't so very good at making it. Her ally-slash-tormentor is Everlasting executive producer Quinn King, who pushes Rachel to make the most of her diabolical talents. Together, the two of them can talk themselves into any psychological manipulation of their cast members, as long as it makes for good ratings. All right, we've got to get Mary back up on top. We're going to put this vermin stuff behind us. Okay, what do you want to do? She's got an ex-husband, right? He's a prick. Yeah, he hit her. He basically you know, broke Lily Bell's arm, so I would say, and then some. You know what we could do? We could just send out a second unit, get some B-roll of him um, apologizing or... I mean, I don't even know what he would be doing, but I mean, it's got to help move the needle a little bit, right? Or we could bring him in. I don't know. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Look, every, every white knight needs their dark knight, right? I don't know, that just feels... No, look, we bring in the ex-husband, and Adam has to take Mary's side against him, right? He plays the hero... That brings them back together, which is great for her. 
I mean, it could help Mary get a little bit of closure, I guess. Yeah, because you know, I read about this this thing where this therapy where confronting your abuser actually changes your life. Right, right. And all we want to do is help. Do it. New episodes of Unreal air Monday nights at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central on the Lifetime Cable Television Network. Mom, is your passion for this show as real as mine? No, it's probably not, but <laughs> I do like it. <laughs> okay, good. Tell me what you like about it. Well, I watched all seven episodes at once because oh, wow. you let me know sort of at the last minute-ish. <laughs> That's not, um, about we talked it, about this a week ago. If you say so. So, first I would like to say that I do love Constance Zimmer. I really yes. do like her. She plays Quinn, the executive producer. She plays Quinn. And I think she does a very good job of it. I just think she has a real talent. I really do. Uh, you saw her in House of Cards, right? That's right, yep. So, and, I, and uh, she always seems very familiar to me. Um, yeah, she does. She has but, that kind of face, doesn't she? And I think she's very good at it. A show like this makes me uh, nervous. It makes me disillusioned. You know, coming coming to television in the 50s, I, I always feel like television is the real deal. <laughs> you know, I right. watch Survivor and I feel like this is what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not too sure because I see how involved these people are and how manipulative and I can easily see these, quote, reality shows being television, unreal. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a fictional, you know, it's, it is fictionalized TV production. But I think that the, um, and I, you know, I think that they're somewhat less professional and more rapacious than actual uh reality producers would be but that that being said um i think that overall the general thrust of the um philosophy i would say of the people involved is pretty accurate really in that we are creating we are creating television um on the run yeah i mean we've talked about married at first sight on this show right right and Married at First Sight is one of the most manipulative. Uh, there's two aspects to it to me. There's the manipulation and then there's the justification. And Married at First Sight was this show that was really invasive into the privacy of these people and uh, really exposed all of their psychological foibles and inadequacies. And yet it was always justified by this social experiment, you know, and right. this, they create this overarching narrative that justifies all this awfulness and an everlasting again, because it's a bachelor type show. The overarching narrative is this sort of romantic, which I think is a brilliant choice by the makers of Unreal. It's this fairy tale uh, idea, right, that justifies so much of this awfulness. Well, do you remember the first episode when uh, the first lady, lovely lady, is making her way into Meet the Bachelor, and she gets out and she plays the violin, and lovely, lovely, and Quinn King, Constance Zimmer's uh, character, says, no, 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 we can't have the first one be a black girl. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my God, I'm not watching this. This is, this is, this is disgusting. This makes my stomach turn. But, of course, 
for the sake of all our listeners, I continued on. <laughs> but it just seems like there's more and more of that. I did find it. I was very upset when they messed with someone's medication. Well, yeah, and that has been the most controversial turn uh, of the season so far. If you haven't seen it, uh, you might want to cover your ears for a few seconds. But they, uh, this producer uh, switches out the, um, what is it, uh, bipolar disorder medication, right? Right. That the, uh, this contestant is, is taking, and uh, she has a... Uh, dramatic breakdown as a, as a result of really right. traumatic uh, breakdown. And, uh, you know, that, that rung true to me in a certain way, I have to say, because they, I mean, even if you watch project runway, which I feel is, you know, closer to the legitimate end of the scale, as far as reality shows go, and okay. that they actually care about the competition. And, uh, but, you know, it's still very manipulative and they do seek out people who, might be diagnosed with a psychological disorder. You know, they don't mind that. They uh, certainly put some, maybe not clinical, but unstable people on television, and that's a big part of the formula. And I think that this show really reckons with that and makes makes us reckon with it, I should say. All right, so it makes us recognize it, and, and then what does... But there's no uh, cap on that, that that feels satisfying. It's just that, hey... Hey, all you stupid people out there, this is really what you're watching, and keep on watching it. That's what <laughs> I feel like it's saying. Well, I don't, I don't know that it's advocating for, I don't know that it's advocating for the shows in the way that you say it is. Advocating, you, did I say? Think I this, think that's... What do you think this show, Unreal, is urging us? Um, I think it's I think it's just exploring the dark artistry of this show. And look, I love Rachel. Rachel is like my big TV hero right now. She is the master of her art form, her reality TV art form, which is a big part of it is manipulating people into performing in this melodrama, basically, that they've set up and thinking that it's their idea. And I think love watching her back people into corners and lead them down these primrose paths i just she um you know you mentioned constance zimmer is on house of cards and she to me operates on a personal and uh media level the same way that uh kevin spacey on house of cards operates in a political level just with mastery mm-hmm. of the system and right. i love to watch that i think she is awesome but but aren't you a little apprehensive uh, well, I've always her, been. <laughs> given that she's come back after having her own, oh, uh, sounds like nervous breakdown. Well, that, that isn't that a wonderful part of the character that she is as broken as the people that she manipulates. She's part. Well, you know, she's caught it, up in the system too. You know. Well, she didn't have to come back though. Well, she did have to come back because this is what she's good at. Well, and they do sort of have her over a barrel money-wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know that it was her plan to come back, but I don't, she doesn't seem that unhappy about it, you know? And she said throughout the season, this is, you know, it makes me happy. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to make her that happy, but no, it does seem no. to give her some creative satisfaction that she can't resist. Well, and do you feel like these are the two main um, people in this show, this Quinn and Rachel characters? 
Yes, I do. I think there's a bunch of good characters on the show, but I think that um, Quinn and Rachel are the are really the the center around which the the show revolves. Uh, but let's talk about okay. some of the other guys. What about um, Craig Byerko plays Chet, the uh, owner of the show, who. Uh, it's come out that he basically stole the idea for the show from uh, Quinn. Um, right. Well, I, you know, I think he's playing a very good, a very good role because to me, he always looks sweaty and, you know, sort of a. He does, ball. doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But when I looked him up on on the computer, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, he's a good-looking look guy, right? Clean cut and yeah. You know, so. So that was kind of odd to me. I, I, I have to say that my relationship with television is is odd. I'm really, what you see is what I believe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, this show will do uh, go a long way to upset that, for sure. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think his, his character is awful. <laughs> Enjoyably you know, awful just, or... Probably deliciously awful. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's into drugs, which I really, I hate watching people take drugs. I really do. Now, what drugs? You hate people even watching them smoke marijuana, or are you talking about cocaine, or what? what's your line for it uh, gets ugly for you? Well, I, don't, I really just don't want to see anybody doing anything like that. Right, right. It's, it's not, uh, obviously, I don't relate to it, but I do especially... Uh, ironically, hate watching somebody sniff something up their nose. Although I'm a great fan of of uh, Nurse Jackie, <laughs> that's all she does all day. Yeah, I don't. I never uh, love the up the nose thing too. I've never, I've never snorted anything, so I don't know what that feels like. But it looks unpleasant, uh, and I always have trouble with syringes. Oh, I don't. God, yeah. I don't really have trouble with them in real life, but I have trouble looking. Uh, Blood and syringes on TV, really, I don't know. I have I have trouble with them. People always ask me if I watch Hannibal, uh, and I have to tell them I just can't. I just can't really handle that that gore. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, not that interesting, but. Well, it's a little bit interesting. Let's talk about uh, the. So there's these two. Uh, speaking of, there's the suitor on the show. Adam, the the blonde English guy, the heartthrob, and you've got uh, the and then so Rachel is sort of developing a thing with him, and right. uh, I actually liked uh, in this most recent episode where she she said, you know, you're basically the only friend I have right now. I don't want to ruin that. So I I liked seeing Rachel have her head about her at least to that extent. Oh, um, uh, definitely. I love seeing her have her head about her when she goes over and gets in bed with him. Really, Johnny? You're, you call, that qualifies as having your head about you? Well, having your head about her to a degree. Well, you didn't say that. Well, that's what I, that's what I meant. Having her, head, right. having her head about her to that extent is, 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 is what because I meant. Because all yes. I think that does is send a very confusing message to, to a guy. Well, but, you know, I think that, this, I think that they're in a bizarre situation right and this also gets at another fascinating element of reality tv and in particular these dating shows because just the just being in this environment with all the cameras and all the pressure and the sleep deprivation makes people feel like they really are in love because the feelings are so new and exciting you know it can really convince people that they're in love so i think when people are on the bachelor and they 
you know, they act like they're in love. I th- there's a certain cynicism to that, but I think there's an actual real psychological phenomenon happening there. And I think it's happening. It happens to Rachel, too, and to Adam. Well, it's not unlike summer camp where you go and fall in love with somebody that you're just going to see for two weeks, you know. I think that's right. Uh, So we've got Adam and we've got Jeremy, the uh, camera guy, now the director of photography on the show. And uh, I call these two characters Dumb Face 1 and Dumb Face 2 when we're we're watching it. Because they both just have these dumb faces. (laughs) I don't know any other way to put it. They're attractive guys and they're fine, you know, actors. But uh, do you know what I'm talking about or do I I sound crazy? I do know what you're talking about. I, I really do. I think that the suitor, especially, you know, first he comes on with his British accent and, you know, everybody likes a British accent, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and then he he slowly, I think he's turning into a sleazeball, but. Well, he goes uh, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm having enough trouble figuring out what's going on, so. And what what about the camera guy? The camera guy. Um, Jeremy. I like him. He seems very down to earth and and you know, he was very hurt by the breakup because she just had her nervous uh, Rachel just had her nervous breakdown and kind of went off and left him and and never talked to him. And you know, I think he's very hurt and he's engaged to somebody else now, but I think his heart still follows so, I, Rachel. I think he's a loser. I think Rachel. I think Rachel can do better than the both of them. Rachel has a, has that glimmer of genius in her eye. She's always thinking. I think that Sherry Appleby is so wonderful on this show, and Rachel just is smarter than the both of them put together. I feel like. I don't know, Johnny. She could do better than either of these. Where's she going to meet somebody else, though? <laughs> That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 know, you met your wife at college in, in your fishbowl and of college, and you know that's how that's that's where you you get your people where you are. That's that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Anything else on Unreal? Well, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen now that something so ugly has happened in the show. I'm just anxious to see what comes next. Well, I loved the episode that followed that shocking moment where they, it seems like the show must be over now. And um, I think what, one of the things I love about the show, and there was a moment, I think, in the fifth or sixth episode where um, one of Quinn's underlings said to her, you're the greatest producer in the business right now, produce Chet. And that, to me, really got really got at this idea of producing in the sense of just sort of setting up a scenario that that will lead someone to act, you know, do your bidding, you know, yeah. and again, think it's their idea, right? So this right. idea of production going beyond even the making of the show, uh, I love. And I just, I they basically produced their way out of this terrible, terrible mess that seems like the show cannot be saved. And uh, I thought that this last episode, it was an extra long episode, as you may have noticed, um, it just was genius. Yeah. I do want to say one thing about Lifetime. Yes. Is that they said you could watch all these episodes for free on Lifetime on the computer, which I tried to do, but they put commercials in. Uh, so I, I said, forget it. But I think that was pretty 
pretty um, brazen of Lifetime, which I think is as a channel. And here I was going to watch all those shows, and then I couldn't because they had commercials in them. How did you watch it? Um, on the TV. Oh, you got them on demand. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to watch them. That's uh, the way to watch them. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so what's your grade for Unreal? Well, I feel a little mixed. I mean, I really would like to give it a C, but I'm going to give it a B minus. Wow. Still pretty rough, in my opinion. Well, it's got some proving to do to me. All right. I think it's an exciting and relevant show with two great women at the center of it. How often does that happen? Rarely. Yep. So uh, I'm a big fan of Unreal. But we are going to move along now to our second review. Uh, it's been a while since Mom reviewed a video game, but she today is going to review Guess the GIF, which is a game on Facebook that shows you a cute animation of a pop culture figure, TV show, or movie, along with a jumble of letters. And you have to guess the identity of the drawing using the letters before you. Uh, there's no clip for this one, obviously. It's just a game. So let's get straight into it. Don't leave us guessing, Mom. What did you think of Guess the GIF? I really like this game. It really gets your, ga- your game. <laughs> I was going to say brain. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's a bunch of crap. Um, it really makes you think. It's, it's sometimes very hard to pull out uh, the name of a movie that's seven years old and I don't yeah. know, it's kind of fun. God, I found it so easy, Mom. You've not run into one you didn't know? Uh, I've only, you know, I kept playing and playing. Uh, I think I looked at more than a hundred of these, and I only had one that gave me pause for a few seconds. Really? Yeah. Because I'm stuck on one now, and you know, I don't really have anybody to ask. And Yeah. Can so, you describe the animation? It's a... It's a uh, the, uh, somebody opens the door, and there's it looks like two eyes, and then there's lightning, and you see that he has a mask on, and did I say lightning? Mm-hmm. He has a mm-hmm. like a lightning on his on his stomach too. I see. And it's not scream, but it's five letters. Five letters. Hmm. Is it flash? No. Hmm. Well, I don't know that one. Obviously, I'm not looking at it, but I don't know that one either. I bet our listeners okay. will get it right away. I bet they will. I bet yeah. they will. And I would like to say that tech support, excellent. Really? What happened? It wouldn't let me type in anything. And I tried and tried and tried, and I left the game, and I came back, and, you know, I just spent too much time on it. So I sent them an email, and they got back about 10 hours later, can you send us a screenshot? Can you, you know try this and tell us this and um in the meantime i had gone back a couple hours later and been able to to actually do it mm-hmm. but i i was really impressed because i've never sent a, a note to somebody except for um the people that did fly slaughter right yeah and gotten a response Lie Swatter, I assume you're talking about from Lie Swatter, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, you're talking, Lie Swatter is by Jackbox Games, and I'm going to Jackbox Games uh, this coming Friday to uh, play, oh. an, yeah, play an online uh, stream with them. Yeah. Really? Well, 
Yeah, yeah, they're going to have me on a live stream. I forget what game we're going to be playing, but uh, one of their new games. They, they have, have some, a new one. Yeah, they have a bunch of new ones. They have some great, the Jackbox Party Pack. I think we played, did we play Fibbage up at the house ever? I believe so. Yeah. I've yeah. played it. Yeah, that's a fun one. I think every game they do is good. I think so, too. I think they're really smart folks. Uh, it's jackboxgames.com if you want to check it out. There's not a loser in the bunch. There's not. Uh, and, of course, they're the makers of You Don't Know Jack as well, which many people know. And if you haven't played that game, you haven't had a holiday at your house because, wow, <laughs> is that fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, but back to Guess the Gift. So you straightened out your tech support problems. They were very nice about that. Uh, what uh, You know, I will say one thing I did like is that the uh, little animations, they're like sketches, basically. Uh, but they're very cute, aren't they? Yeah, they're very cute. I, I had a problem. This was a problem. They had a video game, and it looked like two robots, sort of very squarish robots. And I said, oh, I know what that is. That's Minecraft, because that's what Ashton, <laughs> my grandson, calls it, Minecraft. But, you know, I, I, so I went away for a couple hours, and it dawned on me that it's called Minecraft, <laughs> not Minecraft. You kept typing in Minecraft, it wouldn't work? Yeah. Yeah, because I was sure that was it. Kids love their Minecraft, don't they? I don't know if he's ever played it. He watches videos of other people playing it. Oh, yeah. They get on the YouTube and they watch other, other folks play it, and it cracks them up. He loves it. Yeah. He loves it. It's like crack for him, which I, I don't know anything about. I don't know why I said that. You don't know about children taking crack. <laughs> I don't know about crack. <laughs> what, do you, what are some of your all-time favorite Facebook games? I, you know, a lot of them I don't play anymore. I don't play any of the bubble games anymore. Bubble shooters? Bubble shooters. I do play um, Scrabble with Scott's mother, our friend Scott. Yeah, Words with Friends? Words with Friends, right. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy that. I wish I had more people to play that with. I'll play it with you. Really? Yeah, sure. Okay. And I have a, I have a question for you about Guess the Gift. Because I heard somebody say the word G-I-F in a different way. Guess the GIF. Is that, what is the right way to say it? Uh, well, that is a point of great contention uh, on the internet. And uh, oh. the answer really is whichever way you prefer to say it is fine. Uh, I think GIF was has been the prevailing pronunciation for a long time, but the actual inventor of uh, the graphics interchange format, or GIF, says that uh, he always pronounced it GIF. So uh, oh. he says that's how it should be pronounced. I'm I'm a hard G man myself, but we yeah. all, you know, it's just, we were talking about diversity earlier in the show, and here's another instance, is uh, life is a tapestry of different pronunciations of the word uh, GIF or GIF. So <laughs> have it however you want it. All right. Well, I just, I hate to be saying it and then sound like a doofus because I said it incorrectly. Well, uh, half the population is going to think you say it incorrectly either way, so you might as well just uh, choose the way you want and get on with it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I also play um, words play, which is like boggle. Right, right. I like word games, but I don't play Candy Crush anymore. Wow, you kicked the Candy Crush habit, huh? I did. 
I Even did. though they got the new Candy Crush Soda Pop or whatever the heck it yep. is? I haven't played it. Uh, you know, don't play Pet Rescue Saga. Don't play... All the Saga games, yeah. Right, all the Saga games. All right. Well, I like having a game review. It's been a long time. Uh, can you give us your uh, letter grade for Guess the GIF? Oh, I'll give it a, an A-. minus. Wow, pretty high. Better than Unreal. <laughs> They're not the same thing. Yeah, I know. I know. That's you what know. people do, though. People will do that in uh, Twitter or in the comments sometimes. They'll say, oh, you oh, like really? this movie better than this TV show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't mix uh, apples and orange. No, yes. that's <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's two reviews. Now, we are also, uh, we tried this once and it didn't go to air because we were working out the kinks, but this time we really are going to have uh, an interim show. So Mom on Pop comes out every two weeks and uh, people have been asking us for a long time, do it weekly, do it weekly. I don't quite have time to do it weekly, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to shoot, uh, shoot, we're going to record uh, tweener shows. <laughs> Tweener shows where uh, Mom and I are going to talk about a bit of nostalgic pop culture. We're going to go a little retro, and then we're going to uh, play a little game called uh, Was Abby Right? Where we look at some recent Dear Abby columns, and Mom says whether she thinks the advice was uh, spot on or not. Uh, So look forward to that, and thank you for... You might have to subscribe on iTunes for that, by the way. I'm not sure if it's going to go up on avclub.com. But if you subscribe on iTunes or subscribe in whatever podcast app you prefer you'll get every episode of mom on pop and uh, hey if you enjoy the show give us a review on itunes or say hello on twitter we'd love to hear from you uh thanks mom for your insights as always thanks john for bonnie tady i'm john tady thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon so long for now <laughs>